Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's really good to be here. And uh, even though I can't see your lovely faces, it's great to know that we're together in this and that we're uh, we're part of this thing together. I really hope this morning that your joy will overflow on account of me and my presence, just like Paul said. But there there is a bit of a danger this morning, I think, that actually I inadvertently make you feel guilty um, about something. So I might make you feel guilty for not being like the Apostle Paul um, this morning. I might make you feel slightly guilty about the fact that you're struggling to rejoice in the current circumstances. And it's possible I might make you feel guilty that you're not able to preach the gospel freely at the moment. And I also might make you feel guilty about your motives for sharing the gospel when you do. It's also true that I might make you feel guilty about the fact that you don't feel guilty about any of those things <laughs> at the moment. So if I can just make the point at the start as I begin to, to talk to you from this passage this morning, if I do inadvertently make you feel like this, then it's my fault probably. I've just used the wrong words or pushed the wrong button or maybe you just heard me wrong. But whatever, making you feel guilty is not my intention this morning. So let's just get this straight at the start. Just don't. OK, just don't. But I wonder, how are you feeling at the moment? Some people are loving the current circumstances. For the introverts who were avoiding people before it was popular and acceptable thing to do in the lockdown has been quite enjoyable. For some of you, you've had times to do things that you haven't done for years. You spent more quality time with the kids than you ever normally could. You've baked and walked and read and watched together. You've reminded yourselves how to do long division and quadratic equations and it's actually been fun some of us have watched their gardens transform from the first buds and leaves to full-on flowering in the spring we've seen the whole season develop in a way and at a pace that we normally don't get to do anymore and honestly you're loving it and maybe you just feel just just a little bit guilty about the fact that you're loving it but can I say this morning, don't. Okay, don't feel guilty. It's okay to appreciate what this season has brought you. But others I know are struggling in this season. They're missing the buzz of work and the office interactions and adult conversations. And they're struggling to adjust to working from home and juggling with kids in the workspace and work in the kids' space. And they haven't had time to enjoy the spring at all um, because there's still just so much stuff that's got to be done in the less convenient way and they always hated long division and quadratic equations anyway and they never wanted to be teachers and they miss their family and hugging their friends and going out and all those other things that that we haven't been able to do at the moment and they feel just a little bit guilty that they don't feel like they're coping well in this season but if that's you then then please don't either don't feel guilty See, the important thing is this, your feelings are your feelings. Some of us are wired in one way and some of us are wired in another. Some of us thrive in circumstances that others couldn't cope with and struggle where others thrive. And you know, that's because God made us the way that he made us. We're not meant to be the same. We're meant to complement each other and we're meant to need each other. 
it's not good for man to be alone, and two are better than one, the Bible teaches us. When one falls down, another can help him up, and carrying a load is easier when there are two involved. And it's really important, because strange as it sounds, it's part of what Paul means when he's talking about our partnership in the Gospel in this passage. And in that little bit that, that June alluded to, uh, Judith alluded to in her prayers before. He doesn't just mean those that are working to the same Jesus agenda and at the same time, although there's certainly some of that included, but it also the fact that we have different strengths at different times and for different circumstances. And when some are struggling, others can help the cause. And in his case, in prison, he's stuck in a place where he can do very little practically so he does the bit that he can do and just encourages and build up the church. But the main thrust of the work must now be put into practice by somebody else, by those that are physically free to do it. So first thing this morning, really, partnership doesn't mean you're exactly the same as me. Partnership in the gospel doesn't mean that you've got the same gifts that I have, you've got the same skills that I have, and we both put our hands to the plow in the same way at the same time. It means that I compliment you and you compliment me. And when I'm struggling with something, you can step in and help. And that's really important to think of. But another question for you this morning. Um, about your feelings at the moment, and I wonder in what ways might you feel constrained at the moment? Are there things that you feel that you're missing out on or you deeply love to be doing? that you just haven't had a chance to be able to do. Has anybody else missed out on some really important stuff? Um, today was supposed to be my eldest son's wedding day. Cathy uh, and I and the whole family and loads of friends and relatives and things were supposed to be out in British Columbia in Canada celebrating Luke and Cara's wedding to each other at the moment and it's really sad for him and his fiancée because they've been planning this whole thing for, for way over a year. Maybe you've had a similar experience where something you long for has got put on hold and being sad about something like that is not something to feel guilty about. The truth is that these circumstances we have a choice about how we deal with our disappointment. We can't choose necessarily whether we're disappointed by the circumstances or not, but we can choose how we deal with this. My son and his fiance could just get weighed down by the fact that it's the end of the wedding that they thought that they were going to have, and that's become the focus of their reaction. But Instead, I'm proud of them. They're looking at ways around the present difficulties in order that the long-term goal, which is still them getting married, their marriage might go ahead in the future. Current plans have been thwarted, but the game's still in play. New date, new place, new amended plans, lots and lots of unknowns at the moment for them, and maybe for you as well, but there's still a hope for the future. So just something to think about this morning. We can't necessarily control the way that we feel. Our feelings are our feelings. But what we choose to do in these circumstances and how we choose to react, that we may have some responsibility to control them. But 
forgive me, let's get back to the passage and what Paul's circumstances are talking about. And I want to think particularly about something interesting that Paul says in verse 12 here. You see, Paul asks the question uh, um, or, or makes the statement probably really about what, what has happened to me. What has happened to me, he says, um, uh, in reference to the way that the gospel is being advanced. What's happened to me? And this, this little thought in verse 12, what's happened to me, relates to a whole series of chapters that took place in the book of Acts. And, and chapters 21 to 28 in Acts of what have got Paul into this situation that he's in in Philippi at the moment. So let's think about what some of those circumstances that he faced were. So he's talking a riot where his brothers and his countrymen grab hold of him and they're so in danger of, of, of ripping him apart in their anger that the Romans had to rescue him from being torn from limb from limb. He's talking about a, a plot to ambush him and assassinate him before he even gets to trial. Um, and then he gets shipped off to the governor Felix and then he's made to defend himself before those that want to kill him and then he's unjustly kept captive for two years by a man who didn't think Paul had done anything wrong but who was just hoping for a bribe to release him he gets pulled in front of Festus who's the new governor and named King Agrippa in his entourage for their entertainment he gets forced to appeal to Caesar He's sent on his ship with a bunch of gung-ho sailors. Then he gets shipwrecked. He gets bitten by a poisonous snake. And then eventually he gets dragged to Rome, where he's again in prison. And he's probably stuck in a barracks with about 9,000 Imperial Guard soldiers. And, um, and all of this, Paul says, has really served to advance the gospel. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How? You are? But that word advance is an interesting one as well. It's the same Greek words that's used for an army moving forward and, and taking on some new territory. So what Paul is actually saying is that all this difficult stuff that's happening, all the things that happened over that kind of three year period that's got him to where he's, he is now, all of the riot in the prison time, the poor treatment, all of that has helped the gospel take new previously unoccupied enemy territory. How's that possible? To some of his hearers, Paul must have sounded deluded. But you see, the thing is, Paul's not aware of what God's been doing. At each stage of his trial, Paul sought to be a faithful witness to the truth of the gospel. Before the rioters, he declares the truth of Jesus' resurrection. It nearly gets him killed, but he speaks the truth anyway. Before the Sanhedrin, he's defending his case that Jesus is the Messiah, he's the one that they've all been waiting for. Before Felix, he spoke many times about faith in Jesus Christ. And before Festus, he's defended the way and the truth and, um, uh, and his preaching. Before King Agrippa, he shared his testimony, what God's done for him, talked about the Damascus Road and, and God showing up and turning his life around. On board ship, he's shared prophetic words about the journey, which end up proving to be true. And the sailors realise that actually this is a guy who hears from God. On Malta, he's bitten by a snake, but he amazes all of those people that have gathered when they realise that he's actually suffered no ill effects by that. And then he goes on to 
heal all the sick on the island, and then he wins over the island's favourite, and they send him on his way with all these provisions and things. In Rome, he's back preaching with the Jews that meet him there about the truth of Jesus, and he's using the law and the prophets to explain what the gospel actually is. And now he's here in the barracks, surrounded by all of these rough and ready Roman soldiers, and he's preaching about Jesus to the whole palace guard. You see, wherever Paul went and whatever circumstances he was in, he's sharing the gospel. He's telling his story. He's preaching the truth about Jesus, teaching about the kingdom. And every negative circumstance became just another opportunity for Paul to advance that gospel. And it did. So what about Paul's motivation? How could he keep going? How could he face everything he went through and not lose hope? And I think it's this, because for Paul the message isn't just some good theology or some wonderful ideology or even just a great way to live and behave. For Paul the gospel is life and truth. He's experienced the redemptive and resurrecting power of Jesus. And he wants everyone else to experience too, everyone he comes into contact with. Why? Because he knows it's true. And he knows that Jesus can take a badly aligned, murderous, threatening bully and redeem him. And how can Paul keep going against all the odds that keep stacking up against him? Because he's not focused on his circumstances. He's focused on the truth of that gospel. So even when he's in prison, when he's in chains, when he's on board a ship, when he's in full lockdown, surrounded by the God, he's not focused on what he can't do, he's focused on the truth of all that Jesus can. And it's not about him and how tough or unjust his position is. It's all about Jesus. Paul understood that the individual may be chained, but the life-saving truth of that gospel is not. You see, you can lock down the preacher, but you can't contain the truth of his words. So I wonder what you've heard about the gospel in this season. And do you know that the gospel's been growing in this lockdown? All around the world, the word's getting out that the gospel of Jesus and the call to belong to the church as his bride this great association of, of those that have been redeemed by Jesus. Words getting out that this thing is thriving. See, national newspapers are actually reporting that church attendance is up about 17% at the moment uh, since the pandemic started. We'd normally expect uh, far less people in church buildings. Tier Fund's research um, suggests that actually 3 million new people are experiencing prayer and engaging in prayer for the first time. There are more people joining online at the moment with church services than would ever normally hear. So, so normally we'd expect something like 5 to 7% of our population in Britain to be in church at any given time, but that's now like 24% of the country are tuning in to online broadcasts in one way or another. That's one in four people in the UK are actually in church at some point. And Nicky Gumbel, who started Alpha, have said that, that more people than he's ever experienced in his whole lifetime 
are actually asking about doing alpha courses at the moment and joining them online. Eden, the, the Christian bookstore, has said that, that sales of the Bible are up 55% since the lockdown started. Um, their, their business is thriving on the sale of, sale of the good news. And we've seen other amazing things like the Pope calling together across all of the streams of Christianity for a, a day of prayer and this, all kinds of other things. It's fantastic witness of church unity with things like the, the blessing song. And there's other things on a local level as well, because I know that I've had conversations and some of my friends have had conversations and it, some of us in church have had conversations about Jesus with people and friends and neighbours that we've not ever got to share the gospel with before. Just because we're open to things, because the circumstances are different and we're sharing the testimony about the goodness of God and all that he's done for us in ways that we've never got a chance to do so. I've met friends and neighbours in Rislin Way who I've never met before and uh, and talk to them about what God's up to. At this time it's fantastic. So the truth of Jesus is being preached more widely than ever at this time. Because you can't lock down the Holy Spirit and he's still at work. Now of course I know there are some cynics out there that say that none of this will last. Yeah, uh, it's just the novelty of the situation that's causing this kind of response and it will all disappear once things get back to normal. And you know, that might be right. But for me, I'd rather choose to rejoice in what's happening now, like Paul did in his circumstances, and to celebrate the fact that lives are being touched and people are being provoked and the gospel's being heard in a way that we don't normally see, then I would worry about getting too enthusiastic about what's actually happening at the moment. Let's be those that rejoice, not get cynical about whether it'll last or not. God's at work in this season, and I, for one, am choosing to rejoice in lives that are changed by the good news of Jesus in this season. But let me think about something else that Paul said in this passage, because... Paul talks about motives as well and why people do things and, and, and do people go to church or, or join online just because it makes them feel better and, and who preaches what and where and why and how. And Paul talks about those people that preach from false motives. You see, there are those people who still Paul's imprisonment as an opportunity for them to step into the limelight. They want it to be the celebrity to steal the platform and they preach the truth of Jesus, not because it's fantastic truth that everyone needed to hear, but because it gave them a voice that other people wanted to listen to. It gave them some kind of apostolic and prophetic credibility in front of people. In that moment, the gospel for them became a mechanism for elevating their presence and giving them their moment of fame. You know, Matt and I made a decision right at the beginning of this thing that we weren't going to try and compete with other churches about who could do the slickest presentation or get the best thing up. My my previous church had done some incredible things using a green screen and, and broadcasting studio technology and pre-recorded things and all kinds of fantastic things. 
Matt and I decided that that we'd love to, but but that's not us. And actually, what's important to us as a church in this place is integrity to who we are, and the way that we are, and the fact that we are family and a fellowship of believers together. I love that idea of being a a, a ragtag bunch of people all pulled together, a, a collection of holy hairy-footed hobbits who somehow bumble through this thing just following the truth. But actually, we do it well because we're doing it together and we're being real in the way that we are. And the truth of the matter is this, that, that actually, people are people, and honestly, we're all bust. And there's a real danger that we preach the truth from mixed motives. I heard a, a story about a group of young people, um, uh, fortunately in a, another fellowship, not mine, but they formed a band in their church and then the church youth group had, had gone off to see uh, somebody famous in, in a worship conference to kind of um, get some uh, encouragement and, and join in with worshipping God together and that kind of thing. And they got talking to the well-known guitarist from the, the, this band at, at the end of things and, and when he found out that they were forming the band he was asking them about were they going to be writing worship material or were they going to be writing contemporary Christian songs and and their response to that was oh no definitely worship stuff our youth pastor says we'll make way more money and get far more attention writing worship stuff than we ever would writing pomp songs about Jesus um, uh, just for clarity's sake I was not that youth pastor but it was true in Paul's day and it's sadly true in ours as well that some people treat the gospel as a means to giving themselves a platform to earning a living and elevating themselves and they use it as a culture in which they can find significance and success some people treat pastor in the church just like any other job it's why the burnout rate amongst pastors is so high but I was delighted to hear Tim Hughes being interviewed by an interviewer uh, this week, and they were asking him with the success of the UK Blessing song. You know that that song has now been downloaded about two and a half million times. At one point, 200 people a minute were tuning in and listening to the song online. And he was asked about the UK Blessing song going viral and whether he thought this would lead to a, a greater platform, a, a greater sense of interest from the media. Uh, and more opportunities uh, in the uh, uh, in the, the the UK to get the, the the message out through national media and and TV and that kind of thing. And, and Tim replied that he hadn't actually really given that any thought. You see, they put the song together because they had a genuine desire to bless people, and that the rest of the nation would might might know that actually God is on their side and wants to bless them wants to encourage them and actually just knowing people that had been blessed through the song that was reward enough himself for him and i think we need to be that kind of people we need to make sure that that actually what matters to us just like it did to john the baptist is that jesus increases and we become less the only thing that matters is jesus For some people, though, I don't think that that's necessarily true. You've got that self-proclaimed 
YouTube-dwelling bunch of defenders of fundamentalism who, armed with a quick Google search and a couple of arbitrary scriptures, um, seem to delight in finding something to criticise in the ministry of others. And even something like that beautiful song we've just been talking about um, has been used as a platform for other people to, to exalt themselves in their ministry by taking cheap shots about um, about it and, and whether or not it's entirely biblical and, and that kind of thing. But let's not be those kind of people. Let's make sure that our motives are true and right and that actually we're sharing this truth because we've discovered it for ourselves and we want everyone to know just how wonderful it is. But, you know, there are other ways to, to preach the gospel with mixed motives too. Some people just love a platform. Have you noticed that? They'll happily stand on a street corner, uh, sorry, they'll happily stand on a street corner shouting at passers-by um, about their sin. But they do it without any love in their hearts for those that they're supposedly trying to say. There are those that happily talk to others and not care whether they respond or not, because you know, as far as they're concerned, they've done their duty before God and, and it solves their spiritual consciences. And sadly, there are those that love to bring others to church because it makes them look good. And I think maybe even more sadly, there are those that talk about Jesus to other people because they think he won't like them very much if they don't. But you know what Paul would say to all these mixed motives, don't you? He'd say, I just rejoice that Jesus is being preached. That doesn't mean that the way he's preached is always good. It doesn't mean that the end justifies the means. It doesn't mean that my motives don't matter. All these things are really important. But what it does mean is that Jesus is so good and the gospel is so important that it's even better that he was preached badly than not at all. You see, when people get to meet Jesus, they discover how amazing he is for themselves. And then they realise that he's the one that they've been longing for the whole of their lives. And in that situation, when you realise you've just been introduced to your all-loving saviour and creator, you come to know that however much of an idiot the person who introduced you is, it doesn't matter at all compared to knowing him. Now at Creech we try and be ruthless with our motives. We try and genuinely share the love of God without anything behind it other than that you should benefit from the compassionate love of Jesus and come to experience what it is to know him and live in his presence. I know that there may be those watching us, even this morning, wondering whether they can trust us and checking us out anonymously online. Maybe you've had a bad experience of church in the past and it's put you off in some way. What I would say to you is this, in this season, you are so welcome to do just that. And I don't blame you at all. You know, we forget, as the family of God sometimes, that it's a big thing to turn up to a church of 250, 300 people who you don't know. And it can be a scary thing to do that as well. So if you're watching from the outside, uh, looking in uh, and just wondering about us this morning, take this unusual opportunity, check us out, hear us out, and hopefully you'll see that what we're doing is our best to walk the walk. 
And then what we say is what we do. And when we tell you that Jesus is the answer to every question your heart has ever asked, honestly, honestly, we believe it. But for those of us that already know him this morning, those that are loving the lockdown and those that are struggling, those that feel constrained and those that feel like they've missed out, let me encourage you to rejoice in the one you know and rejoice in the fact that you may be locked down, but God's kingdom is advancing. Let me permission you this morning to feel how that you're feeling, but also remember the one who's not constrained by your feelings. Jesus is not affected by the way that you feel. He is still at work. His love is just as strong for you and for the rest of the world. His desire to use you and to work through you is still as intense. And his desire to bless you, to comfort you, to encourage you, to infuse you, to have you rejoicing and celebrating all of the good stuff he's doing is still just as much there. Let me remind you that even in this lockdown, there will be opportunities for God to work through you and opportunities that he brings your way. The Holy Spirit's not on lockdown. The gospel is being advanced. In this time and this season, let's rejoice in all that God is doing and the fact that that gospel is advancing through all that's happened to us. In Jesus' name. Let's pray together quickly. And then we're going to sing a song of worship to the Lord. Lord, we want to thank you that you are not constrained by our feelings. Lord, we want to thank you that whether we rejoice or whether we are downcast, Lord, you are still the same yesterday, today and forever. So, Lord, let our spirits be lifted this morning and rejoice in the fact that even in difficult circumstances, your gospel is advancing, your kingdom is coming, hearts and lives are being changed and people are encountering you for the first time and in new ways. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are not on lockdown. Lord, we want to thank you that you are still at work. May we have our eyes, our hearts, our ears and our minds open to all that you're doing at this time. And Lord, may we give you praise that you are the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, despite the circumstances we find ourselves in. Amen. So let's sing together a song of worship and celebration of the goodness of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>